Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by Remy Battery, family owned and operated since 1931, serving Milwaukee along with Escanaba and Houghton, Michigan. RemyBattery.com by the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, WIWF.org, and by the Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association, CastleRock-Petenwell.com. I'm Dan Small. Today, we'll wrap up our series on severe weather events with Art Helen. We'll talk about trout fishing in central Wisconsin with John Veith, and we'll look at the impact of bird flu on rough grouse and woodcock with John Steigerwald of the Rough Grouse Society. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. It's time now for Madison Outdoors, and you hear this feature every week on WTSO, the Big 1070, or on our podcast, or both if you like, and you can get our podcast on LakeLink, iHeartRadio, and a bunch of other podcast platforms. Well, joining us once again from Madison's north side is Pat Hesburgh. He's proprietor of DNS Bait, Tackle, and Fly Shop on Northport Drive there in Madison. His website is dsbait.com. And be sure to check out his weekly fishing report, which he posts every Friday morning on his Facebook page, DNS Bait and Tackle. Well, Pat, welcome back. Hey, Dan. Always good to be here. Now, the fishing seems to be improving there in Madison, right? It has. It's really um, that those warmer temps we had last week really uh, got the lake temps up uh, after being in the 40s for all of April, basically. And uh, fish have started to... Uh, Moving around a little bit more, we got uh, crappies spawning, and uh, everything's you know turning turning into spring here, just like it's supposed to be. Well, good. So, what are you hearing? Let's go lake by lake, starting with the big guy. Well, on um, Mendota, we've got uh, a lot of the so that's a larger, uh, deeper lake, and so the main lake itself has got some cool temps. I, I think the last I checked, they were uh, just below sixty uh, degrees, but that's a lot better than the high forties we had. Uh, just a week before that, so uh, we've had fish um, mostly all being caught up shallow, but that's everything from walleyes to bass to panfish. Everything's getting caught in less than 10 feet, more or less, right now, and um, all those fish are just up enjoying the warmer temps uh, that you're finding in the shallow water, but uh, the walleyes are done spawning. The crappies are just starting, or it, yeah, just starting, I'd say, and the bluegills are right behind them. So, and the bass are done, um, but everybody's been catching a lot of everything. So, well, that's good. How about Monona? Uh, Monona's been great too. Um, the, I haven't heard so much wall, from walleye action down there, but uh, the panfish bite on Monona Bay has just been very impressive. Uh, ever since ice out, we've had uh, crappies. Uh, coming in uh, to the Triangle area, if you know where that is, just off John Nolan Drive, yep. uh, right by the Monona Terrace area, and um, the Monona Bay itself has been has seen some great action for uh, blue, or crappies since ice out, but uh, the bluegills now are starting to move in there, and I've heard some good numbers and some decent size coming out of there. Well, good, because they were a lot of little ones there this winter. Yeah, yeah. So what else uh, down the chain? from Kiganza? Not a lot. Uh, you know, the, the fish camp uh, park there, the county park up on the north end, they got some accessible piers up there, and uh, that's always a great spot where the river dumps in, and, and I've been hearing about uh, some panfish up there, some really nice gills, but uh, not, not not necessarily great numbers, but uh, it's been uh, some good size coming out of there. But 
some perch uh, that people were getting up shallow. And then uh, one person came in and was telling me about uh, how they got into some walleyes over near the state park, but uh, no real details there. So. Okay. And how about outside the immediate Madison area? Well, um, the trout fishing on the area streams has been wonderful. Uh, we haven't had any major downpours that, you know, flood the streams and make them dirty. We've had uh, some reports of some good uh, caddis hatches lately, blueing dollars. And uh, I was out fishing last weekend, and I ran into a nice uh, Hendrickson hatch. Oh, that's, is, uh, yeah. A little rare, um, but a lot of fun. I, I had about 45 minutes of real solid dry fly action. Um, as far as uh, other fishing, um, the rivers, uh, Rock River has had uh, a good, there's been some good white bass action. The white bass run, I believe, is probably winding down right now. But in the Jefferson area, they, they were getting some great white bass all this week or last week. And then um, same thing on, on the Wisconsin rivers or river areas. So Prairie du Sac Dam, there's a lot of white bass in there. I've heard about some great smallmouth uh, action uh, up there. And uh, Lake Wisconsin, too, uh, some decent walleye action, uh, trolling and uh, panfish in the bays there, too. Well, good, good. Uh, yeah. What else do you hear? Uh, you cast a wider net sometimes uh, over toward sure. uh, the Mississippi and Lake Michigan. Yeah. What have you heard there? Well, over, over on the Mississippi, I haven't heard much because the flows have been so high. Yeah. But uh, I, did yeah. Hear, I did have a guy in the shop this morning who was headed over there. He had heard the flows and come back down and become a little more manageable so he was headed up there i was going to hit some sloughs actually and looking for some panfish headed in shallow to spawn um over in milwaukee i uh this uh, steelhead run is over uh but that was really great this year and lasted quite a while fish were up a long time uh cohos out in the harbors have been hitting pretty well uh i heard in the port washington area and up to sheboygan uh, the fishing's actually been a little slow because of uh, large alewife alewife uh, 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 schools around in there. So the the fish are getting their fill on alewives and uh, not necessarily uh, grabbing people's baits, but uh, still interesting, you know, news. I guess. Yeah. Well, they've they've had some winds over there too that have been problematic. Uh, we talked to Dumper oh, sure. Dan. Every other week on the show, and uh, he's up again next week, and we hope that he's got a better report than last week. Although he did talk about cohos moving up from uh, the Illinois line, and they're they're at least halfway up the lake now, if not uh, if not farther. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a real popular bite for a lot of folks here in Madison. Head over there. Love getting into the cohos. They're a delicious fish to eat, of course. Absolutely. So, any events coming up at your place? Uh, we don't have anything uh, going on here at the shop uh, coming up. We just had a, a speaker. To, uh, so, Gene, the previous owner, yep. uh, had a tradition of doing spring seminars. Right. And we we had those, and uh, or we want to continue that tradition. Unfortunately, with COVID kind of wrapping up, knock on wood there, and then. Um, with the shop transfer, things were just really busy, but I was able to uh, knock out one uh, presentation. We had Noah Humfeld, a local guide, multi-species angler, really knowledgeable and entertaining guy, uh, come in and speak about what to expect for the opener, and that got a lot of people excited. We had that on Facebook Live, a lot of great views there. Um, we don't have any events in the shop scheduled uh, here in the near future, but uh, I did want to let people know about a great event the uh yahara fishing club is uh hosting a kids fishing day on uh june uh 14th i believe or no i'm sorry june 4th uh down here at warner park right by the, sh the shop here and, uh, people can come down bring their kids they get a free fishing pole and they get instruction and, and bait and uh, it's a really great event to get kids into fishing so i'd encourage anybody who's interested to come check that out june 4th at warner park Nice. I believe that's also the free fishing weekend, although I may be off by a week on that. I think you're right. I think they, they try to time it all in the same, yeah. on the same time. And do kids need to sign up or just show up? Just show up, yeah. They usually get, uh, I mean, it's a first-come, first-served basis, but yep. uh, they, they usually have two or 300 rods all rigged up for kids ready to go, and they, and they give them all away. Fantastic. Uh, 
it's it's a really great event. Absolutely. The uh, Horror Fishing Club is a really great great organization. They certainly are. Well, before we let you go, your hours. Uh, we're open six to six every day uh, here uh, all week long. We're back to our regular store hours, and uh, yeah, we get to, we've had solid traffic since the opener, and business has been brisk. So yeah, I encourage anybody to stop in and ask questions or call the shop. We're happy to happy to let people know what we know. All right. Well, thanks so much, Pat. And we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Thank you, Dan. It's always a pleasure. You bet. Pat Hasberg, proprietor of DNS Bait Tackle and Fly Fishing Shop on Northport Drive in Madison. Website dsbait.com and their Facebook page with a weekly fishing report, DNS Bait and Tackle. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. If you're ever in a motor vehicle accident, call Hupie and Abraham, named best personal injury law firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupie and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. In fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. So call the firm voted best and rated best, Hupie and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or you can visit Hupie.com. And all 11 offices of Hupie and Abraham in Wisconsin Iowa and Illinois are open for business. Well, Jeff Kelm joins me once again from his home in Wisconsin Rapids. Jeff, you had a, a tournament last weekend in Sturgeon Bay, right? Yeah, 142 boats for the uh, two, uh, 32nd annual Sturgeon Bay Open Bass Tournament and uh, $113,000 in cash and prizes. Adam Nye and Grant Ellenfeld weighed 52 pounds, 12 ounces in smallmouth bass over two days. Ooh. And uh, won uh, $41,395 in cash and prizes, including a brand-new Ranger boat, Mercury Motor, and uh, $5,000 cash to go along with it. Not bad, not bad. And they won by, what was it, 10 ounces or something? Yeah, about 10 ounces. Uh, we had a couple teams at 52 pounds, a number of teams that cracked the 50-pound mark. Uh, I mm-hmm. think nine out of the top 10 cracked 50 pounds. So, uh, I mean, it's a healthy fishery, Dan. It's really cool to see. Yep, and Sturgeon Bay produces some big, big fish. Those are that average like five pounds then. Yeah, it's uh it's incredible. And we had a seven pound, twelve ounce fish come across the stage for, for hmm. big fish and multiple seven pound fish. Wow. Okay. Well, and in between your tournaments and other chores, you've been chasing bees. You've got some bee swarms you've uh, Yeah, some in. swarms I've caught. Yeah, it's uh it's the season and and uh most recent one was uh swarm just up in a tree. Uh, shook them out into a box, and I got some cool videos I'm going to post online for uh, for folks to see nice. that uh, show the the little march in. Once we know they have the queen in the box, they uh-huh. do a march into the box because they know where that's where she's at. Now, how do you find these swarms if you don't have a swarm catcher or a swarm trap? <laughs> uh, people I know call uh-huh. me about them. Okay, okay, very good. Well, in turkey season, um, how are you doing there? Well. Yeah, that second period bird is all I've got so far. A lot of people out and few birds wandering around. Yeah. Well, we, Ozzy and I hunted uh, first season, and he got his bird, of course, um, on the last day of that season. And then we had between us three permits for last week, fourth season. And we had gobbling uh, three mornings, and they went, uh, two of the mornings, they went elsewhere. And one morning they cooperated. They didn't seem to come to calling um, or directly to us. I was about 200 yards away from him. And I look out in the woods at about 7.15, and here come not one, but four longbirds, longbeards, rather. And I'm going, come on, feast or famine, you know. And I had two tags, and I thought, maybe I'll pull a Lauren Voss here and get two with one shot. But that didn't happen. The nearest one stuck his head up, and I thought, eh, now or never, and I... Shot him, and turned out to be about 35 yards. He went down and flopped, and another one stuck its head up from behind a log, and I thought, oh, man, I don't want to waste a bird on a friend's property, and, you know, they may go over to Ozzy. Well, they turned out not to go to Ozzy, and when I paced it later, it was 45 yards to that second bird. So I'm kind of glad I didn't take the shot, although if sure. I'd been shooting that TSS stuff, you know, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I might get for next year if the price ever goes down, <laughs> I'd have popped that guy for sure. I, I yelped at him. They gobbled. Um, they clucked here, and I'm clucking because uh, they kind of headed his way, but then they veered off, and that was our hunt. Well, there you go. 
And then I had a Learn to Fish for Trout event at the Kickapoo Valley Reserve with some folks uh, who organized it, John Motoviloff, Marty Moses, and uh, Christine Tanzer, who's been on the show uh, once or twice for the Natural Resources Foundation. And they brought Josh Crumpton, a very interesting guy, a TU board member. He came from Texas, and he's a he runs a... Uh, a hunt operation down there and a fly fishing operation. I think he's an Orvis guide. And I said, you know, we ought to do a learn to hunt hogs, wild hogs. And he says, come on down. So I may be there doing you that go. sometime That'd in the cool. future. And my friend Mary Seeloff sent me a photo of a wolf. She says was just north of her place. It had to be in Dodge or Jefferson County, right, right there, um, you know, in farm country in central, east central Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Very clearly a wolf if it wasn't, um, you know, if somebody didn't drag that in from somewhere else, you know, like mm-hmm. the, uh, mm-hmm. like the Colorado mountain lions that people claim they shot years sure. ago. Sure. Anyway. Well, folks, you can make a difference for the future of hunting, fishing, and healthy habitat by joining the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, WIWF.org. Add your support to one of the most active and growing grassroots networks right here in Wisconsin. The Wildlife Federation welcomes individuals, businesses, clubs, and alliances who want to do what's right for fish, wildlife, and the people who rely on access to healthy natural resources. Join today at WIWF.org. Well, coming up, John Veith talks about trout fishing in central Wisconsin, and we'll continue our series on the impact of severe weather events on habitat with Art Helen in Iowa County, and we'll kick things off with a report from Rough Grouse Society Forest Conservation Director John Steigerwald on the impact of bird flu on grouse and woodcock. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. Castle Rock and Petenwell are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Nesita National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock-petenwell.com or on Facebook at Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN. RGS. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. We at Remy Battery Company want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the past 90 plus years and your continued support of our local family owned company. Stop in and see the expertise of over nine decades of battery knowledge and customer service. Let us take care of the batteries for all of your needs, from power tools to sump pumps and ATVs to hunting decoys, even down to the smallest hearing aids. Big and small, we have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road, trails, or waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies have been improving habitat for grouse, woodcock, and other forest wildlife for more than 60 years. You can learn more on the web at roughedgrousesociety.org. And joining us once again is John Steigerwald. He is the Great Lakes and Upper Midwest Forest Conservation Director for RGS and AWS. And John, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. Dan, pleasure to be back as always. Well, woodcock and grouse are likely on their nests now, um, late May. I suppose that's probably the the uh, incubation season, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're definitely, uh, woodcock are definitely, they've been back up in, in Wisconsin, Northwoods for 
a little while now, grouse are done drumming. We're getting into some a grouse production period. Be seeing some grouse brood here probably pretty shortly. Um, actually, one of my staff members, he had sent out a picture just last week of a grouse nest that he stumbled across in a pine plantation of all places. Huh. So grouse, grouse are on the ground nesting. Yep, seen a grouse nest in many, many years, but I have encountered them uh, actually while turkey hunting. Of course, that's the time of year, you know, uh, and down in Crawford County, as I as I remember, and that would have been 30 years ago, <laughs> we flushed a grouse and actually caught it on camera flushing, and the nest was right at the base of an aspen tree, which is typical. Yeah, grouse tip do typically nest at the base of mature trees. Of course, with rough grouse, we typically think of them as being an early successional forest species, a young forest species, but in fact, they use diverse forest habitats. We're, we only think of them as being solely young forest because, of course, in the fall, when we're out there hunting, that's the kind of cover that we're finding them in. But this time of year, they are definitely nesting at the base of uh, oftentimes fairly mature trees. Speaking of these birds, we've had avian influenza or bird flu causing a lot of problems, mostly with domestic chicken and turkey flocks and, and with uh, waterfowl, um, wild waterfowl, I guess. Any concern for grouse and woodcock? Yeah, it's definitely been a, a topic concern. People's uh, kind of, you know, they've been very cognizant of disease concerns with, with rough grouse, uh, given the West Nile virus concerns over the past few years in the Lake States. Of course, the West Nile virus uh, sampling that has been taking place for the past few years. Um, what we know right now is that with the avian influenza, it does not pose a major risk to uh, rough grouse uh, in woodcock, being that they are upland game bird species. Waterfowl are definitely more susceptible to the avian influenza uh, per the, the Wisconsin DNR guidance on it. Uh, there is also some uh, guidance out there to actually take down bird feeders to limit the neotropical mig migrants, songbirds, from vectoring disease to one another through through bird feeders. But from what we know for, for rough grouse is that it's going to be uh, fairly limited uh, impacts from this avian influenza. Well, that's good. That's good news. Um, now, speaking of diseases, of course, West Nile virus, you did mention it a minute ago, has been a major concern um, for grouse. And, and there's some studies going on, uh, mainly here in the upper Great Lakes states. What can you tell us? Um, do you have an update on West Nile? Yeah, so, uh, so a little bit of a refresher. Um, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan all entered into a three-year West Nile virus sampling effort uh, in the same year uh, going about sampling uh, West Nile virus and the rough grouse populations in their own states. Of course, that got interrupted due to COVID. Um, sampling protocols were, were interrupted uh, because of that. Uh, Minnesota felt that they had enough samples to move forward with their, with their research um, in, in 2020, uh, Wisconsin decided to do an extra year of sampling. They didn't feel they had the enough samples uh, uh, by 2020, so they actually sampled into 2021. So they're a little bit, Wisconsin's a little bit behind in the process, but actually uh, through the Minnesota research, uh, uh, research paper did come out late last year um, related to the, the West Nile virus sampling, and nothing really unexpected came out of that paper. Um, concluded basically that we need to continue on doing as we're doing that, um, creating good, healthy forest habitat, diverse forest habitat for rough grouse is going to be our best defense against West Nile virus. Okay. Uh, that really, there's nothing we can, we can really do to prevent the disease, uh, in the population. It really comes down to how can we make it as healthy of a population as possible to give rough grouse as best chance as possible for fighting off that disease. Yeah, okay. Well, and you mentioned habitat work, and I know this is the time of year. Well, I suppose habitat work's going on all the time, but what's going on, uh, let, me, let me put it this way, what is the society doing in terms of habitat work now? Well, RGS National, of course, we, we have uh, many um, habitat projects that we're engaging with our partners on, the Forest Service, uh, state and county, uh, local forests, industrial partners. Um, but one thing that's going on, especially this time of year, is that our chapters are getting out and doing a lot of their local chapter uh, habitat projects. Um, we actually just had a 
uh, a project with our Missacroy chapter. Uh, they adopted the Tiffany Wildlife Area on the Wisconsin side of the Mississippi River several year, several years back. They were out doing a habitat project recently, uh, as well with our uh, Chippewa Falls uh, Eau Claire chapter doing a project on the Eau Claire County Forest recently. Wow. So our chapters are getting out there and doing doing habitat projects this time of year. And what kind of work does that entail? A lot of times it, it might involve uh, garbage cleanup, pickup, um, a lot of old bar- barbed wire fences that pose risk to uh, both humans and, and bird dogs. Uh, but a lot of the habitat-related stuff might involve tree shrub planting, uh, pollinator plantings uh, that, that we do, a lot of uh, different trail projects as well. Okay. And members can do other things other than just uh, get out uh, and do habitat work, right? Uh, what other activities are members? Uh, well, throughout throughout the year, we we definitely do have uh, different shooting events that members can uh, can attend, go to help raise money for uh, habitat projects, land acquisitions. We do host uh, mm-hmm. uh, chapters do host additional dinners as well as our our banquets that our chapters have each year helping to engage, engage our members in the fundraising aspect of the conservation work that we, we get involved in. Uh, adding to those, those social aspects, which we definitely all are looking forward to as we kind of continue to navigate through COVID world. And I have been to a number of Rough Grouse uh, Society banquets myself uh, over the years. In fact, I was uh, vice president of the Duluth Superior chapter. Well, we're talking 40-plus years ago, and we held our first banquet up uh, up there, I think, in Superior. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we let you go, John? Yeah, I would just like to say if you've ever been interested in the Rough Grouse Society, uh, what we do and getting engaged with uh, forest, forest habitat, and rough grouse hunting, please join the society, find your local chapter, and try to get engaged. All right. Well, John, thanks so much. We are going to take a couple months off now, let the grouse and woodcock get their babies flying, and uh, we'll touch base with you again in late summer, early fall. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. You bet. John Steigerwald, he is the Great Lakes and Upper Midwest Forest Conservation Director for the Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies. You can learn more about everything we talked about and much more by going to roughedgrousesociety.org. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The Wisconsin Wildlife Federation is a group of grassroots conservation organizations and individuals dedicated to the future of fish, wildlife, clean water, and healthy habitat. Their website is WIWF.org. And for the past several months now, we've been talking with people from all over Wisconsin about their experience with recent severe weather events. Joining us now is a familiar voice to our listeners, Art Helen. He's a field staffer for a number of outdoor companies. You've seen him uh, at uh, sports shows, trade shows, attended his seminars perhaps, and he's an accomplished wildlife photographer and land management consultant. I don't know how he gets all this done, but on top of that, he and his wife Michelle now have a TV show, Own the Season, which is currently on Sportsman Channel, and it's moving. Uh, he'll tell us about that. It's going to be on some other platforms as well very soon. You can learn about Art and what he's up to at arthelenoutdoors.com, and Helen is spelled H-E-L-I-N. And he also has a Facebook page, Art Helen Outdoors Own the Season TV. Well, Art, thanks for joining us, and uh, welcome back to Outdoors Radio. Thank you. It's always good to talk to you, Dan. Well, you are such a busy guy, and you're doing so many interesting things that it's always fun to have you on as well. So how's your turkey season going? We're in the fifth season right now it's been tough but it's been good we've been successful uh, i believe we've had 11 hunters in and um we have taken 10 birds my 11th hunter i think must have fallen down and bent his barrel or something because <laughs> he had a little problem shooting straight so <laughs> <laughs> but, you know it's, it's been good and 
hunters and wheelchairs and special needs hunters and, and some other types of hunters that are looking to get out where the weather's a little warmer, a little nicer, and, and get them out in the woods and, and enjoy the nature. So I, I kind of I like that season for that. But uh, overall, it's been it's been a good year. You mentioned a bent barrel, and it reminds me of a story Harold Knight told me years ago. Uh, Harold Knight of Knight and Hale fame. It may have just been pure BS, but he claims he he took a tumble, slid down some rocky hill, and bent his barrel because he missed the next two turkeys he shot at. Um, so <laughs> it, it makes a good story, whether it's true or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's a severe personal event, but we've been talking for the last few months now about severe weather events and i understand you've noticed some too you're you're where exactly are you located you're in the driftless uh, as i am i am we're down in iowa county dodgeville area yep so what have you seen that uh, that's happened in the last few years our weather has just got crazy and it's affecting a lot of things not only wildlife which i'll get into but it's it's affecting how things are growing you know our plant growth our food plant growth trails that we used to have for getting our equipment to and from are now getting washed out they're getting and it it seems like it used to be more of a steady spring and you'd get your spring rains and and now it seems like all of a sudden there's nothing forever and then when it rains it's two inch gully washer and wipes out everything you either planted and make ditches in your fields or wipes out your roads it's become a pain if i can say it that way because it it's not what it used to be and the swings in the weather are just it's making it hard on us as people i think it's making people more moody i think they're ornery i think obviously one coming off this pandemic which is still somewhat going on but coming off the pandemic and now dealing with the severity of weather with, there's more tornadoes. I mean, this year I was in Iowa doing the Iowa Deer Classic in March, and we got sent downstairs because of a tornado coming through. A tornado came through and unfortunately took some people's lives. And the next day we got up to leave on a snow goose hunt, and it was snowing out. So we went from 75 degrees and tornadoes on the ground to snow the next day, four inches of snow. How does that affect people's moods? I think it makes us ornery. You know, and the same with wildlife. I was talking to a farmer the other day, uh, stopped in and talked to him after a turkey hunt. He even said his hired hand, said, man, these cattle are just, they're, they're really hard to deal with right now. They're, they're temperamental. They're, he says, look at the weather. He says, we go from, you know, 90 degrees two days ago to, now we're back to 50 degrees for highs this weekend, 40-plus degree swings in two, three days, and then you go from today or last night was light rain to tomorrow night we're severe the storms again. They're outside. They live in that. He said, yeah, they're going to be ornery. How are you as a land manager and, and how are the farmers you've talked to adapting to this? Boy, it's been tough. Most are just working night in and day out and all through the night when you have that opening and you have that clearing you're trying to get stuff in the ground you're trying to get stuff planted i mean the farmers are just going crazy here yesterday i went out and i wanted to get out and spray so i could get some more planting done spray the rest of my fields and all of a sudden it started raining wasn't supposed to rain at all and it started raining now i put that on hold hopefully things dry out this afternoon so i can go out and do that and then with the schedule and my busy schedule this week, I actually was out last night and put new lights on my tractor so I can be planting in the middle of the night too. And we're building berms as far as land management work goes. There's new things. When we build roads, now we have to build them with ditches so water so we get proper water runoff so it's not destroying those. As far as ponds go, before you could put just a dam in a three, four foot wildlife uh, pond, or water hole. Now we're constructing them more like a big pond with um, PVC overflow pipes, uh, different overflow mechanisms, just so we're not washing it out because all these that withstood for 10, 12, 
15 years now are starting to get washed out because of the floods. So now we have to look at how are we reconstructing these? How are we building these? The, the same with, you know, planting fields. Are we going to, you know, starting to, even on our small food plots, not really contour farming because we're too small to contour, but how do we look at the upper sides of the field so they don't wash out? We're going to have to plant with something different that's a faster growing food source than what we plant lower. So all that stuff is changing and, and how we're dealing with that in all aspects, whether it's the farming business, whether it's, you know, us farming for deer or wildlife, if you want to call it, uh, building ponds, building roads, it's all changing. Everything's changing. I, I've talked to architects down here and uh, engineers, I should say, not architects, but engineers, and talking to them with building ponds and building roads, and they're even changing the way that they're doing it. More culverts, bigger culverts, new runoff areas. So they're changing everything also because of these extreme weather conditions that go from one to the other and then so it can dry everything out in a week or two weeks and be bone dry and then all of a sudden you get a three inch or two inch gully washer i guess green bay last week i talked to a gentleman up there we were talking about doing some fishing and they had nine inches in 13 hours oh my that would kill us down here that would that would totally inundate us here yeah he said it, it did that and and you know, they've got some hills, but they're not like the Driftless area down here. And he says it shut everything down for a couple of days. I'm reminded of the uh, 1930s when the first conservation plowing was done here in the Driftless area, where people learned about contour plowing to uh, to control erosion, erosion that had been happening probably for 50 years after the early settlers uh, first tilled these hills and then learned that that's, that's not going to work when you get a lot of rain. So we're in an adaptation situation now, too. And even with winter, coming off of winter, you know, with our snowfalls, I remember, you know, as a kid, we would, you know, we owned snowmobiles, always went snowmobiling. We always had snow. We knew that, you know, rifle season, we were going to have snow on the ground. We would have snow until the 1st of April down here, so we could ride. I don't know, the snowmobile forever, unless I went up north. And down here, for us to get snow, you know, now it's you get these little one, two-inch snowstorms, and then nothing, and all of a sudden you get dumped on with 10 or 15 inches. And the swings, and from even just different parts of the state, uh, you know, you're talking Bayfield County, we go up to uh, the Boulder Junction area quite a bit. Those areas, they just had ice come off the lakes. A few of the lakes... In uh, southern Canada, talking to some friends up there, they still have ice on the lakes right now because they had so much snow and so cold this winter. Where last year, you know, they said by April 1st, there was no snow or ice. Everything was gone. The weather pattern has gone berserk, if you want to say it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and we're not going to solve the big issue of what the heck's going on there, but at least you are able to, to a certain extent, take care of those problems or, or at least adapt to them and deal with them or respond to them, I guess is the best way to put it. And it also helps that I've got a, uh, envir- environmental engineer for a daughter. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> when I start running into some of these issues, I can talk to her and find out what some of the newest practices are because they're changing all the time too, because we have to, we have to adapt with it. And if we don't, it's not only going to affect our landscape, which it's already starting to affect, we're going to start, especially in this driftless area, you know, we're going to have more landslides. We're going to have more rock slides. We're going to have more, you know, water um, runoff areas, creeks, streams, things that are going to start disappearing, wiping out banks. They're going to make their own new channels. If we don't adapt and, and change and do some things, like you said, we can't fix. We can do one little thing at a time. We can't fix the whole big picture right now. Um, we can try, but um, I, I don't see that happening. So we just need to do our part to adapt to it and keep moving forward. Because if we don't adapt, we're not going to move forward. And then we're going to ruin our landscape forever. And so we just, 
need to keep changing and, and change with it and go with the flow to, to make it better. Well, Art, I think that's a good note to leave it on, uh, and I'm kind of encouraged by you, what you mentioned about your daughter. Maybe we need to continue this series and look at possible solutions with environmental engineers. So uh, you planted a seed in my mind with that thought, and um, I hope we can pick up on that. Thanks so much for sharing your observations and your experience, as, uh, as tough as it's been, and uh, we'll talk again sometime. Thank you. You bet. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Art Helen with Art com. It's the best way to find out about him and his TV show. We never got to that. It's actually moving to uh, MOTV and the Hunt Channel. The Hunt Channel. Yeah. Okay. But you'll find all about find out all about that on his uh, Facebook page, Art Helen Outdoors Own the Season TV. This was brought to you by the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation. Check out what they have to offer and consider joining them. Their website is wiwf.org. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Get outside and let us be your guide. Lawrence County, Wisconsin. Are you looking for a safe Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 miles of wooded ATV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to hike to, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to the exploreflorencecounty.com lodging, dining, and recreation tabs to plan your trip. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the ruffed grouse and American woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN. RGS. Castle Rock and Petenwell are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Nesita National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock-petenwell.com or on Facebook at Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association and Lemon Weir Township offer four-season outdoor recreation on two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes and many miles of river, hiking, and biking trails and more. You can check them out online at castlerock-petenwell.com. And joining us now uh, is John Veith. He's an avid fisherman who lives in Juneau County, and he's willing to share some, maybe not some real pinpoint secrets, but some light on the great fishing opportunities there. We had him on the show a couple of years ago. Well, John, welcome back. Thanks. So uh, let's talk about stream fishing opportunities. I know you're a, a, a very avid trout fisherman. Have you been out now? The season open, it's been a couple weekends it's been open, so what can you tell us? Oh, on opening weekend, I uh, did a lot of streams in Monroe, Vernon and Richland counties uh, and did uh, fairly well for trout. Well, good. Now, so you're a, a stream hopper then. You go from one to another. Yes. You, usually on the first day, I'll only go to one or two streams. And then on the next day, that's when I'll do my stream hopping. Okay. 
Now, what are you looking for? Obviously, trout, but when you go from one to another, what are you looking for? Oh, I'm looking for uh, a bigger trout. Okay. Um, but where do you find them? In what kind of habitat? Uh, usually uh, in uh, in pooled water uh, just above some rapids or a pool just below rapids. Usually just below rapids because they're usually in those pools waiting for food to come uh, downstream. Yep. And what do you use for bait typically? Night crawlers mostly. Okay. And so when you say you did well, um, I, did you take a couple trout home? Yeah, I took uh, took a, a few trout home on both opening day and the day after opening day. Okay, and did you fish this past weekend? Yes, I did locally in Balsock uh, County, down in the Reedsburg area, and Juneau County, just outside of Marston. Okay. Didn't. Didn't do too well. Well, uh, I, I was out this past weekend also with a group learning to fish for trout. We were shooting a video, and the conditions were not perfect for trout. It was sunny and warm the first day, Saturday, not as warm on Sunday, but too bright uh, as far as I'm concerned, especially for brown trout. Was that your experience? on Friday and Saturday. Not so much I was able to find shady areas, but mm. uh, it was just too warm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what can you tell us about Juneau County streams? Uh, they're, uh, I don't rate them as high as Vernon, Monroe, or most streams of the uh, the driftless area in general, yeah, but uh, yeah. they can they can still produce trout. Uh huh. And why is that? Why are they not as good? Just not they don't have the same water conditions or what? Right. Yep. The uh, water uh, they don't have the the stream fall. You know, it, they come from flatter flatter topography which uh, slows them down and kind of makes them kind of muddy uh-huh and then you don't have the riffle pool rapids pool right. combo yeah 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 well how about uh, bass fishing in rivers do you do much of that not not recently. When I was a kid, oh, 50 years ago, that's basically what I did. Yeah. Now, have conditions changed, or have you just decided you're more interested in trout? I'm just more interested in trout. Uh -huh. Once you get hooked on trout, you, you don't really fish for, want to fish for anything else. Uh-huh. Well, let's say you wanted to take somebody bass fishing or suggest to somebody where they might go. Where would you send them? I'd send them to the Lemonware River uh, in uh, in the Marston area uh -huh. or out to uh, uh, the Castle Rock, uh, Petenwell Lakes area. Yep. And sticking to streams for now, uh, the Lemonware... Um, what is that like as a bass fishing stream? It's uh, it's uh, good. I've uh, had and I've heard stories that people still get nice bass. I'd say uh, on uh, Lake Decorah at Mauston or just below the Mauston Dam. That forms like the Cora. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, but in the river itself, down or up, down or upstream from the dam, uh, how is that for fishing? Uh, I would uh, think uh, downstream you get probably more action from bass because they may come in from the Wisconsin River. And can you fish it all the way? No dams, so yeah. There's no dams downstream of Austin. Can you fish it all the way from Austin down to the Wisconsin? Oh, yes, uh, you can. And probably the best way to do it would be in a kayak or canoe. It would take a while, though. It's uh, Statute miles, it doesn't look too far at all, but since it winds around almost in every direction of the compass, it's quite a ways. Uh-huh. Have you fished the Baraboo? Uh, I, I fished it for trout, usually from uh, uh, in the Kendall area. Okay. And how is that stream? It uh, it's uh, it's pretty good, but I'd still rate uh, uh, streams that are generally. Uh, tributaries to the Kickapoo River is better trout streams. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we were fishing uh, this past weekend, but we saw trout and all the novice anglers caught a few, but boy, the conditions were not the best. Yeah. Any walleyes in the rivers to speak of other than the Wisconsin? I would say the Lemonware River from the Marston Dam on to the Wisconsin River. Yeah. How would you fish them there? Uh, I when I used to fish for walleyes, I'd usually use uh, uh, white pinky type of lures or uh, minnows. Okay. And where in the river? Just deeper holes. Now, on the Wolf River over in eastern Wisconsin, they use uh, they use flies that look like streamer flies, like a trout fisherman might use. Does anybody do that over here? Not that I know of. But Maybe they, in the trout streams for trout. Yeah. Yeah, but they ought to work if, yeah. if, if they work somewhere else. You know, walleyes eat minnows. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, where can people, besides knocking on your door, <laughs> where can people get some good information for stream fishing in uh, in particularly in Juneau County, but in the area here? I would uh, go to your local uh, tackle uh, stores and and uh, talk with uh, the owners of them. Are they usually pretty good about giving out information? I've never asked them. <laughs> you don't have to, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, but I would. So uh, what tackle shops are there in Juneau County that would be worth visiting? One just outside of Austin by its industrial part. Any others in the area? I know of one uh, that's in the Buckhorn area of Castle Rock Lake. All right. Well, John, thank you so much for talking with us again, and good luck this season. We may check in with you again. All right. Thank you. You bet. John Veith with a report on stream fishing in Juneau County and surrounding counties as well. You can learn more online about all the opportunities to get out and enjoy the fishing and camping and boating recreation in Juneau County in the area at castlerock-petenwell.com. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Get outside and let us be your guide. Lawrence, California.
County, Wisconsin. Are you looking for a safe Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 miles of wooded ATV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to hike to, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to the ExploreFlorenceCounty.com lodging, dining, and recreation tabs to plan your trip. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Jeff Kelm. We're brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. they got great deals on new and used boats, so check out their website and Facebook page for details. We're also brought to you by Remy Battery, family-owned and operated since 1931, serving Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. Let's start something. RemyBattery.com. By the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, grassroots hunting and angling conservationists dedicated to the future of fish, wildlife, clean water, and healthy habitat. WIWF.org and by the Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association, 60 square miles of fun on the water, CastleRock-Petenwell.com. And by the way, if your boat or motor needs service, give Cedar Lake Sales a call. Their service department has won the Mercury Marine Customer Service Index Award 16 years in a row. I don't know if that's a record or not, but it's pretty remarkable. And if you missed our TV show, Outdoor Wisconsin, or if it doesn't happen to be airing in your area right now, you can watch past episodes online at milwaukeepbs.org. And Deer Hunt Wisconsin shows are always archived on the Deer Hunt Wisconsin YouTube channel. You can find Dan and I throughout the week on our social media pages at Dan Small Outdoors and Hardwater Jeff. And if you want to listen to the radio show or take it with you throughout the week, go to lake-link.com. Go to the Outdoor Radio page and download the show there. That's right. And, you know, the DNR says there's a high fire danger due to recent dry, windy conditions, despite the fact that we've had some rain on and off here in the last week or so. So please be careful with fire. Don't burn outside if you don't need to. Avoid burning debris or trash until we get some more rain. And make sure your campfires are dead and out, or out and dead, I guess is the way they put it. Uh, DNR also reports three fox kits from different counties uh, came down with bird flu and apparently serious uh, serious cases of it, so it can affect mammals. And I guess uh, there have been a couple more cases of bird flu in domestic flocks. You haven't seen anything yet or haven't worried about anything mm-hmm. yet in your chickens. No, no, no. We've had a couple die, but we lose a couple every year. Um, one I know was a rooster that died in a fight, so <laughs> I know you didn't have the flu. And there's another CWD positive deer reported on a deer farm in Walworth County, and that just keeps keeps keeping on, I guess is the way you'd say it. Well, June 4th and 5th is free fishing weekend and free fun weekend here in Wisconsin. You have free admission to state parks. You can fish anywhere in the state for without a license, but you must follow the rules. You can't keep more fish than than is allowed. And um, if your club would like to host an event, you've got till May 25th to register that with the DNR. Details for fun fishing, free fishing, and free fun weekend at dnr.wi.gov. Just type in the keywords free fishing weekend. We mentioned that Ballard's Black Island Resort is offering a two-for-one summer deal. They're they're still doing that, so if you've never gone up there uh, and are thinking about a Lake of the Woods trip, uh, this would be the year to do it. Check out blackisland.com. That's their website. And tell them where you heard about it here on Outdoors Radio. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. You can hear more of his tunes at warrennelson.com. And there's a Becoming an Outdoors Woman, Learn to Fly Fish class, June 3rd and 4th in Wapaka. You'll have to search B-O-W, Wisconsin, for that. 
Well, Jeff, you got a tournament this weekend? Over to Ordonville, Minnesota. Yep. All right. Well, travel safely, and we'll hear about that next week. I'm Dan Small here with Jeff Kelm on the road again, as always, this in the summer. Get outside this weekend and be sure to join us again next week for Outdoors Radio. Coffee can, honey. I'll be true.